again, everybody. Welcome to the Mainland Podcast. It's episode number 87. I'm Michael Citro. I'm the founder and managing editor of themainland.com. Joining me is uh, one of our outstanding writers, Dave Rowe. Dave, how are you this evening? Well, I, I'm a mixed bag. I uh, Obviously, I'm a little uh, a down about the results of the last game. However, I did actually get to make it down for my first game in the Purple Palace, and it is as beautiful as everyone has said. So that part was nice. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about your experience your first time at the uh, at Orlando City Stadium. I wanted to ask you like sort of where you sat, what you thought of the noise level and the atmosphere and all that good stuff. Oh well, we went to uh, we went to the standing section. There was there was no doubt about that. I mean, yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna go for the first time, and uh, you have to do that. Um, so we we did. Um, I actually went down with uh, uh, some friends who actually. Uh, Quick personal shout out to Mark Johnson, who is a listener, and it's going to be uh, his birthday tomorrow oh, nice. on Thursday. Yes, so happy birthday to him! Um, uh, but he and uh, he and I traveled down Sunday morning, came back late Monday morning because <laughs> we both had to be at work on uh, on Monday morning in Tallahassee. But uh, no, uh, the the noise was fantastic. The um, uh, the, being able to see the just how the overhang – I mean, trust me, I was taking it all in at the same time I was trying to watch the game. But uh, um, that standing section is as magnificent as it appears uh, on TV. Um, you know, it's funny. Somebody asked me, well, did you get any food while you are there? I'm like, no, I was in the standing section where I don't have a lap to put anything in. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. You got a cup holder, but you know, otherwise, you know, you're you're kind of kind of hosed on that, which is fine. You know, it's not that I need to eat anything, um, but uh, no, it was it was it was fantastic. The noise was great. The supporters uh, were obviously in force. Another sellout. Um, it was a great atmosphere despite the outcome, and uh, I look forward to coming back. All right, and I know you're a beer guy. Did you make it to the Broken Cauldron before the game? I was not able to get to the Cauldron. Like I said, we were. Uh, we were on a down and back, man. We were on a down and back. Uh, yeah, I had to. Uh, uh, as a matter of fact, I had to uh, not partake uh, while I was at the the match because I was the one that was tasked with uh, driving back to Tallahassee. Oh well. Well, at least you got to see the place. It's it's really nice. I mean, it's unfortunate that you know that early handball ruined the game. But why don't we go ahead and, and get into that? Uh, we'll, we'll, before we get to New York City, though, we, um, we played two games since we last spoke, I believe. And uh, the Lions went out to San Jose. I've never beaten the San Jose Earthquakes. I've never lost to the San Jose Earthquakes. It's been a tie every time. And, um, you know, they go out to San Jose and and had some chances, kind of dominated the possession and just not quite able to find the scoreboard until uh, just an unbelievably beautiful play, one of the best team goals of the year with Kaká sort of drawing two defenders toward himself, uh, releasing PC down the left sideline and uh, left flank there. And PC like, didn't do what most guys do and, and just, you know, zip it across the top of the six. I mean, he cut it back on the ground, uh, back up toward the penalty spot where Rivas was waiting to to make a nice one-touch shot into the back post and, and uh, put Orlando City up in the 80th minute. And it felt like, um, you know, the, the Lions were finally going to get a win in California. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're, you're that late in the, in the match. Um, and, uh, it, it's, you know, Rivas finally, you know, 
I say finally comes through. I mean, he you know he played hard all game, but uh, uh, to get that goal, you were feeling really good about things at that point, and uh, unfortunately, it was just not meant to be. Nope. Uh, three minutes later, as we, as we listened to your cat serenading you, um, three minutes later, we heard uh, uh, Tommy Thompson had come on late for San Jose to try to provide some offense. And his sort of ineptitude at uh, providing offense ended up providing offense because off of a corner scramble, the ball popped out to him. He took a shot. It kind of squibbed off the end of his foot and fell perfectly for the one guy you don't want to get the ball, and that's Wando. And uh, he, he put it on goal, and Bendit got a piece but couldn't get squared up and keep it out, and it was just three minutes of leading the game before it was tied at one. And, uh, you know, that, that Wando goal, I mean, you know, give it to him. He was in right place, right time, et cetera. It's, it's one of those ones that, you, you you know, if you're an Orlando City fan, you hate to see. Um, you know, I, I don't think that there was anything else that Bendit could have done on that one, honestly. Um, you know, he he even kind of moved to the right spot. He just, mm-hmm. it, it was it was that quick ticky-tack thing that there's not, you know, uh, even a reaction save would have been, would have been a miracle. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, we've said it before, if you go on the road uh, in MLS, it's going to be hard to win. Um, you know, they came out of there with a point. Um, I, given what happened the next game, I mean, I wish we would have gotten three. But <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, but that being said, you know, at the time, you know, it, I hated to see it that late in the game. But I was also like, OK, you know, we we haven't went out there. We you know, we still still were able to uh, to get a point. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Now, it wasn't the end of the game. Obviously, there were still a few minutes left to, to try to pull that back and, and, and come away with all three points. And in the 91st minute, uh, Carlos Rivas unleashed Kaká down the right side of the box. And, you know, probably not a guy on the club you'd rather have in that situation, uh, 1v1 with the goalkeeper. And Kaká shot and uh, Bingham saved it. And uh, so it, it did end up in a draw. But it would look for a minute in the 91st minute like, Things were going to look good, pretty good for Orlando. They had the the right guy on the ball in the box. Uh, he had some options to his left. Maybe he decided, you know, I'm going to just win this thing right here. Uh, but maybe he could have found uh, MPG uh, or even I believe it was Laren coming in from the left to uh, to try to, you know, it, it's always risky to make that pass in the box uh, when you're leading the the break. But if he makes it there, it, it may have given somebody a tap in uh, with no goalkeeper to speak of. Well, it could have, but if I'm one of the you know greatest players to ever play the game, and um, it's the 91st minute, and I've got the ball in the box, I'm probably taking that shot too. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, give it up to Bingham for making a good save. Yep. Um, you know, it's uh, I wasn't, you know, obviously I would have loved to see the goal, but I, I don't think that Kaká made a bad choice. Um, like I said, I think ben, Bingham just made a good save. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the nice thing is that uh, as we've seen most of the year, uh, Orlando just did not give up. Okay. So, you know, they're up one, nothing, you know, they, they, they pull it back and, you know, so a lot of teams, okay, well, let's just get out of here. Well, no, they, they kept pressing. So, um, that's something to, to be happy about. Um, I think that, uh, you know, like I said, if I'm Kaka, I'm taking that shot. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I don't think he made a bad choice. I don't think there was a bad choice. I think it's a good choice if he passes. I think it's a good choice if he shoots. Either one was good because, you know, he had guys in, in more advantageous situations, but you can never count on the fact that you put the perfectly weighted pass uh, right in their path and, and, you know, anything can happen, really. He, he took it 
on his own foot, which obviously is also not a bad play. 1v1 with the keeper. You've got to think that you can win that battle. And uh, so there wasn't a bad uh, there wasn't a bad decision to be made. What would have been cool, though, is if he did find MPG and he scored his first Orlando City goal against his old team. That would have been really cool. That would have been cool, except for the fact that it would have ruined your prediction. Yeah, well, I want him to prove me wrong. <laughs> I say he's never going to score a goal for Orlando City, but I want him to desperately to prove me wrong. And he, he would have really had a hard time missing from there i mean it would have been like wando against belgium kind of thing yes that's true and and <laughs> uh of course uh you know we're sure that that he's a listener i mean uh obviously so he knows about you uh you know putting that challenge out to him i'm, I'm absolutely certain about that so oh yeah 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 we, no, we have this we have this podcast translated into spanish just for him right <laughs> <laughs> remind me who on staff does it's my cat that does that for us doesn't yeah, it? yeah yeah exactly uh so you know, 1-1, one, one, it's not bad. I mean, San Jose, again, Orlando going against a team that hasn't lost at home. And uh, and they didn't lose again. So um, they come home with a point. That's not too bad. Especially, Dave, when you consider the starting lineup. Yeah, there that was, was weird. There was no, no Jonathan Spector. He was sick. He was supposed to start alongside uh, first-time MLS starter Leo Pereira. Now, Pereira started with a ha because Spector got sick. Uh, Aha was supposed to get the rest, and Aha would go on to get the rest on uh, Sunday. Um, so it was Pereira uh, and Aha, and he moved, um, he switched left backs. Instead of Toya, we saw PC. And when I saw that, considering the fact that neither of those guys has played a game in, in MLS, and neither of those guys have, have played with OCB in a while, I was like, what? You know. Right. Uh, but obviously I don't, you know, we don't get to to see all of training. We don't get to see what they're doing in practice and and you know how fit they are are showing themselves to be. Uh, you just don't expect somebody that's not been playing 90 minutes to get a, a, a road start on the West Coast at 10:40 something at night Eastern time uh, and and have it turn out to be pretty good. But the, I thought the defense held up very very well and PC had himself quite a game. Uh, was very, very dangerous bombing forward, did a good job in possession, passed well, uh, cracked a monster strike that hit the crossbar, so a little bit unlucky not to get his first MLS goal, and he did get his first MLS assist. And he did seem to be everywhere on the field that night. Um, like you said, that was a, uh, a great um, uh, debut for him. Um, you're right. You know, when we saw the, the, the lineup come out, I'm sure there was a lot of us shaking our heads, you know, kind of like what um mm -hmm. and uh you know okay specter being sick obviously that uh you know that's a no-brainer um but uh yeah for both uh uh him Pereira to to go out there and have the game they did um i think that's a a one of the reasons why we were able to come out of there with a draw and, and almost a win is that um whether it was just Hey, this is my first time out, and I'm going to do the you know best I can or whatever. But they, um, you know, there wasn't a huge drop off for the defense. Uh, and then, like you said, with you know PC pushing forward and pushing forward and getting that shot and and that shot. Oh my goodness, it it was that when he when he hit it, I was like, okay, cool goal. But you know, <laughs> um, so it, yeah, they uh, uh, both of them did an excellent job. Um, and then the other, you know. Part of that was, of course, um, 
you know, neither uh, Kakao Rivas started. So right. um, that was the other. It's like, okay, well, not only do we have two brand new guys, it's like, okay, I guess uh, we're resting people at the beginning yeah. of the match. What's what's going on? <laughs> you know, and, and of course, it, it ended up working out well. Yeah, so not only does, uh, you know, do we have two new guys back there, we don't have the calming Jonathan Spector influence, but also, you know, they don't have the, the, the typical guys to play off of so it's the it's you know it's it's a bunch of backups in there and and you know kudos to jason christ for doing the squad rotation he said he needed to try something different he did he got a result uh not all three but he got one and he came very close like i said within a uh the width of a crossbar uh, or about half the width of a crossbar from getting all three points so um not a bad uh decision on his part there were a couple scary 1v1 defending moments for pc but he, he turned they turned out okay and um you know, Pereira did a nice job. He had to recover for, for Carrasco turnovers a couple of times, mm-hmm. and he ended up, you know, he had to take a yellow on one, and the other one he, he made a nice play, clear it out. So, you know, a pretty good debut for both guys. In fact, I, I did the player grades on, on Wednesday night uh, at an ungodly hour <laughs> and uh, and ended up uh, giving PC my man of the match. Who was your man of the match, Dave? Um, My man of the match, uh, let me think. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to have to go along with you just just because he was all over the field PC um you know uh, getting a shot uh creating chances um getting back you know on defense I, he I mean I said it when we first started you know talking about the game he was everywhere so uh yeah it was uh um you know, you throw that in with your you know your debut out on the west coast and everything else that's going on um that was uh, that was an excellent showing from him. Um, you know, it was uh, we would have we would have liked if his goal had gone in, but otherwise, you know, you can't take any way, anything away from his performance. Right. All right. So those guys had a great debut. Definitely earned some more minutes. In fact, Pereira started on Sunday uh, against NYCFC, which I I didn't like for a couple reasons. Um, one, the guy hadn't been playing, and he just played 90 three days before on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And number two, uh, going up against, like uh, I guess a less <laughs> a less dynamic um, trio, you know, trio of attackers for for San Jose than he certainly would see with New York City. Harrison and Villa are are a handful for anybody, even the most uh, experienced defenders in MLS and and I was a little concerned about that and plus when he played he moved Spectre because it's easier for Spectre to move over with his experience to the right side of the of the central defense uh, where Spectre had been playing the left side so it's a little bit of adjustment for Spectre as well as playing against uh, or playing alongside a new partner uh, for the first time and a guy playing in only his second game and here he is having to to deal with you know, not only because New York's bombs forward so much, not only Via and Wallace and um, uh, Harrison, but also Maxi Rodriguez, Alexander Ring, uh, you know, guys like that. So um, it, I was a little concerned there, and it turned out with pretty good reason. Yeah. He was getting he was getting torched pretty good early on. Although I think he settled into the game okay uh, after his uh, talking to from the ref. He had pr- two pretty good chop downs on Via that gave them. Uh, you know, um, advantageous free kick opportunities. And, and of course, uh, um, 
you know, you never want to do that. But also either of those could have been yellow cards on their own. Right. Uh, and he ended up getting yellow carded, but not until stoppage time. So uh, so he did survive. But, um, you know, he, he didn't have the best night. But again, you could say that about a lot of guys. I thought that uh, f- the New York game to me was a, an, an odd game because it was three nil. And, you know, New York definitely deserved to win the game. But if you watch the run of play, it was much more balanced than previous games against New York City, where they seem to have all of the attack and still lose the game. Um, it was much more evenly, um, you know, the ball was evenly possessed by both teams pretty much. I think it was 50.1 to 49.9 at, at the half or something like that. And I think it ended up only moving about a, a half a percent or a percent. Yeah, it was like 51, uh, it was 51, 49 or 52, 48. I mean, it was yeah. something, something yeah. really so close. Yeah, it was, so it was very close. The, the shots were close. Um you know, New York just had more golden opportunities, and they got the early break, a uh, huge break when the ball popped up and hit Kaká's arm. And it was, to me, it looked like a no-brainer. It looked like a penalty, and, and Kaká didn't complain about it at all. He he hung his head. And I, I really think, in some respects, Dave, that that, uh, you know, that penalty and then via scoring the on the on the spot kick, it, it it seemed to, which is weird for a veteran, but it seemed to mess with his mind and and disrupt his game. Um, so, uh, as we said, I was at the game and I was in the, uh, standing section and I was actually on the, that side of the field on the standing section. And mm-hmm. so I had a, like, it, it, essentially I did not even have to turn my head to see <laughs> that. And it was yeah. absolutely without a doubt, a, um, a, uh, a handball and, uh, and an inadvertent one, but right. a legitimate handball. As a matter of fact, my, uh, some of my friends are like, "Oh no, come on!" I'm like, I just kind of turned. I was like, "No, that, that was that was a handball." Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't intentional, no. but his arm was out from his body, and he gained an advantage because by of having it, right. the ball hit it. Yeah, so, exactly. So you know, I, I for those of us can't... who watch a lot, if you saw it, you're like, "Oh yeah, okay." I mean, it was, like you said, Kaká just went, "Oh yeah, okay." I mean, he knew it yeah. too. So um, that. Uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know if it was if it was that or if it was that plus all the travel or being tired or who knows. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it could have been anything, but uh, he he did seem to not be able to to bounce back after that. At least not in the way that we're we're used to from the captain. And um, uh, but even after that, even after uh, you know Via um, puts that penalty away, I, I you know at that point I was still I was still okay. I was like okay, you know we're we're still well in this. That's a, mm-hmm. you know, penalties, you know, something like that happens. It sucks, but it's not like it's a, uh, you know, run a play goal where you're getting beat because of, you know, a breakdown to defense or something like that. You know, that's, you know, if, if somebody scores a penalty kick, okay. You know, I mean, heck, uh, Bendik even went to the right direction. Just, he was yeah. able to get a hand on it. So I mean, right. via, via made a perfect kick inside the post. So exactly. It, it, it's my thought immediately was I'm glad it's early in the game. The only other better time for, to give up a penalty is when you're up three goals, (laughs) give up, you're up three or four goals. Then that one penalty is probably not going to hurt you too much, but yeah, it was not, um, it it was to me, the first goal was going to be always very important with both teams coming back from the West. Uh, New York city had played Wednesday night at Real Salt Lake and got beat. Um, and Orlando city obviously played at San Jose. Uh, in my experience, the weird thing is the team coming home off a long road trip, usually has a harder time getting into gear than the team that's already on the road and makes the long trip. I don't know why that is, but 
I thought San Jose looked sluggish on Wednesday. They were coming back from Colorado, which isn't quite as long a trip, but they do have altitude to, to deal with kind of. But, um, you know, the New York rested their their entire attacking line for the for the, uh, most of the game. And they came in rested, and I thought, well, the first goal is very important. When they scored the penalty, I thought, uh, well, not ideal, but the next goal really is going to make or break this game. Right. And unfortunately, New York got that one before halftime with a – uh, just a nice play on an overlap and, and the ball got through uh, to the back post. And, uh, you know, uh, that's what New York does is they get down the end quickly mm-hmm. and they cross the ball in. And if you're not perfectly positioned, uh, it's probably going to be a tap in goal at the far post. And this is where I think, you know, Spectre moving to the right side hurt because yep. he would have been the left center back and may have been able to sniff that out and yep. get in the way of that cross. Absolutely. Maybe not, but I think he's probably got a better chance of doing it than Leo Pereira. You're completely right. Um, you, you know, so it, it was kind of a, a perfect storm. Now, now I want to go back to what you said about the, the when the home team comes back that they, they have a disadvantage versus the team that stays on the road. That actually makes sense to me. Um, you know, okay, whether you're coming back from the West Coast or not, you're in that uh, we're on the road mentality. So you've made that adjustment versus – Hey, we just got back from the West Coast. Okay, I'm back in my bed. Okay, that's nice. I'm settling back in. Whatever, you know, it's a, it's a shift in mentality. So, yeah. um, I think that you know, being on the road, staying on the road, you know, whether it's one game or, or two games, three games, whatever, that that can in that situation that might that might work out for you. Um, as far as the back line, um, you know, the the shift. That we, I mean, we all understand why uh, Jason did it. Um, it makes more sense from a tactical standpoint to move Spectre over there because he has more experience. He can make the adjustments better, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that um, it's going to work out as we saw. So um, if, if he, if Spectre was in his usual position, does he have a better chance of sussing that out? Yes, of course he does. Um, But um, you know, that being said, you know, New York, you know, we, we, Won the first two games. They, I'm sure, they had a bit of a chip on their shoulder when it came to uh, to this and coming into our house and to be the first one to uh, to steal one away in the Purple Palace. So, um, you know, I'm I'm sure they were they were probably pretty motivated, and I think our guys were maybe a little mentally tired and um, that, and then going down a goal and then down two goals um, that. That works against you. Uh, yeah, it was always going to be tough from from that point out, and I, I thought that um, you know two nil it was definitely vital to get the next goal, and yep. you know it was it, it was one of those cases where if we get the next goal, maybe we can mm-hmm. squeak out a draw here, and I kind of wanted to because I think I predicted a two two draw, but <laughs> the the. Uh, the, the opportunity presented itself early in the second half with a penalty. Scott Sutter gets into the box, gets taken down, clear penalty. Um, and, you know, that's when I went, oh, crap, Kaka's on the bench. Yep. Um, who's going to take this? And, you know, Giles Barnes was there. Will Johnson was there. Kyle Lahren was there. Kyle ultimately took it, and he went for power and unfortunately cracked it off of the post and not even in a good way where it bounced right back to him. It bounced out of play for a throw-in. Um, and that – Really, you could see that took the rest of the wind out of Orlando City sails. It absolutely did. I mean, it took. I'm. I was. You know, I'm sitting. That was on our side of the field. That was on the standing side of the field. So I mean, I'm watching that thing up close and personal. And I, you know, so for those of you who've been there, you got the railings there that you can hold on to. I mean, my hands were on the railings, and I had just like 
gone down like I was doing a you know a power squat or something like that. I was <laughs> head was you know in between my arms. I was it, it was one of those uh, just could not believe that. Um, like you said, not only did it hit the pole, but it hit the pole and then just went nowhere. So, um, yeah, I was I, I will be honest with you. Um, I was a little surprised when Kyle stepped up to take it. I, for some reason, I just thought it was going to be somebody I could, don't ask me who it was going to be, <laughs> you know, but for yeah. some reason I just, I was thinking to myself, okay. I, and I also knew Kakao was out. I, I think in the back of my head, I was going, okay, maybe Johnson does it or, you know, I don't know. But, um, I mean, of course you would think, okay, well, Kyle's a striker. He knows how to shoot for the goal. So yeah. But at the same time, it, it's still like, cause I can, I can remember very vib- vividly. It, it did slightly like twinge in my head i was like that's a little odd i'm feeling odd about that so uh. yeah strikers are not always it, it seems uh counterintuitive but strikers are not always the best penalty takers on a team despite the fact that their job is to score goals right it's uh it's it's born out in europe it's born out everywhere bundesliga you know uh spain england everywhere you know you'll see teams that have their best penalty taker is not always their starting striker. It's uh, sometimes someone else. And obviously Kaká is, you know, you, there's, there's a lot of elements. You have to be confident and you have to be very good at placement. And I think uh, Kyle's form hasn't been great in the last five games. Um, you know, probably it was, a, you know, the thought was here's Laren, here's Barnes and here's Johnson. Johnson is now the captain because Kaká has gone off. Right. He probably decided, you know, Kyle says, I want to take it. And his his thought is probably, you know, this would be a good opportunity. He makes it, gets his confidence going, and, and you know, right. goes on a tear and, and scores a couple more goals um, in the next few games. But um, so, you know, pretty pretty sound thinking there. Barnes hadn't scored a goal yet. So here's another guy you can say, maybe we can get him going if he takes this kick. Uh, he hasn't hasn't opened his account yet and that kind of thing. And, and maybe that was an opportunity there. And, and, and Barnes is a, a veteran. He's taken penalties in MLS before and that kind of thing. So, you know, for Laren, it was his first MLS penalty. He took one a couple of years ago in the Ponta Preta friendly in stoppage time. So it was a tie game. There wasn't really, it's a friendly, there's not a whole lot on the line. You want to win, but it's a friendly. So who cares? Sure. Really? Uh, and he made it. And I, I, t- I remember talking to him after the game and I asked him about, you know, the penalty. And he says he always goes to that corner, the bottom right corner. And so I, I had that in my mind. I remembered that I was sitting in the press box watching him getting ready to take his penalty. And I, I said, yeah, he says he always goes low, right. And he went right, but he decided to, to try to go upstairs. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you could say, well, maybe he did. That was maybe in the back of his mind is I got to do something that I haven't done before. Or maybe it was in the back of his mind that, um, you know, I'm just going to hit it for power or whatever. I don't know, but I, I couldn't tell you. But I, I just know that he was inches from being a hero and maybe putting his team back in the game because Orlando City really looked like they were getting on the front foot right yeah. before, like about the five minutes before that penalty uh, was was taken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and you were also right that uh, when it hit the pole and nothing came of it, the uh, wind came out of the sails <laughs> and. Uh, you could, I, I mean, I deflated, literally deflated. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I can only imagine, you know, what that did to Kyle and everybody else on the pitch. So, um, you know, once again, I, I, I go back to what I said was, I, I guess in the back of my head, for whatever reason, because Kakao was off, I was probably 
not consciously doing so, but thinking, okay, Johnson's going to take this. And mm-hmm. of course it didn't happen, which, um, I know we had a, uh, uh we had a post, uh, uh an article, uh, this week about, okay, so if Kakao's not out there, who should be taking this? So I encourage <laughs> right. everybody we, we to read that. Yeah. And I, I want to make sure that everybody knows we didn't say Laren shouldn't take them. No, that's we not what we're saying. We said that Laren is one of the, probably one of the guys you consider for that role. Absolutely. And he, he might make his next 20, who knows, but, um, you know, his, his first one had to come sometime. It came then, and it was unfortunately not successful. But, um, you know, we're sure that Kyle will hit one before his career's over. Well, uh, not only that, but we one. know that, uh, you know, Kyle's scoring uh, uh, his once every couple of games. So, I mean, we can almost guarantee that he's going to get one in the next game just because of how his, uh, his stats seem to go. Yeah, we got to we got to get him uh, back to the hot Kyle Laren. We've had the cold Kyle Laren lately. We got to have the hot Kyle Laren back. So, uh, we'll get into that uh, in a little bit because he's he's going to have an opportunity this weekend. Um, so anyway, New York went on to add another via goal and a goal that, from my vantage, looked way offside live. And then I watched the the replay and went, nope, he was on. Yep. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, he made a he, Maxi Morales made a great pass and. Um, you know, Morales' through ball to Villa was just absolutely perfectly timed. I think it was Toya that kept him on. Um, just didn't, he was stepping. He just didn't quite get there in time. Just kind of like, it was just kind of that, that kind of week. I mean, Bendik just a smidge earlier probably smothers Wando's shot. Um, you know, PC's is just a smidge from being a goal. Laren's is a smidge, smidge from off, being a yeah. goal. Uh, just a, almost an offside on. Uh, also, Kaka, his handball. Yeah. He was pulling his arm down at the time it hit his arm. Yep. So if it's a split second later, even if it hits his arm, it's up against his body and it's no penalty. So it was just really. We were three uh, inches off all night. Yeah. It was just that kind of week for, for Orlando City. Now, um, this is going to sound odd. My man of the match uh, is going to sound a little strange because he's a player that you didn't probably even think about when you're watching the game. But I went back later and I thought about his performance. I, th- I definitely noticed his energy at the start of the game. And I went back and looked at the, some of the advanced stats. And it, Antonio Nocherino is my man of the match. I thought he had a pretty good game. I, he came off early as the team started to chase it. Uh, but I thought he had a pretty good game. And I didn't really think anyone else in particular stood out for me. Um, that's, that's as good as mine or better. Maybe, uh, you know, uh, how many times have we, we spoken of Notorino this year saying, you know, people will get on him and we're sitting there going, well, you know, he didn't, okay. Yeah. You didn't see him or you didn't think of anything in particular that he did that was fantastic, but he was solid all night. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you went back and you looked and, oh yeah, look at that. He was solid all night. So, and in a night when solid wins, the man of the match, well, that that was unfortunately that type of night. Um, you know, for me, it's going to be uh, Rivas just because he, at least early, he had good energy. Um, mm-hmm. He was trying to create chances, um, you know, and uh, at, at least he was hustling, you know. And yeah. so once again, we go back to, hey, the guy was hustling. You know, it was that bad of a night as far as he had, He did p- provide some, some threats with, with some uh, service. Um, Kyle just couldn't quite get on right. a couple of crosses that he put in there that were really nice crosses. Uh, he did have a, I, I know everybody thinks he went for goal on the long free kick, but I honestly think he was trying to bend that back across the six and he just didn't hit it right. Yeah. I absolutely don't believe he was shooting because if he was shooting, it would have had a heck of a lot more pace on it. Oh yes. Uh, because when, <laughs> so. when Rivas shoots, it's, it's not, it, there is no, there is, it, he, when he shoots, there is no curve ball. 
No, I, I think he just I think he just mishit a, an attempted cross because uh, he he needed to get a lot of curl on that to to try to get it flush across the the oncoming uh, the oncoming attackers, but uh, he didn't hit it right and it, it went wanting. In fact, the only decent chance after the missed penalty was uh, Luis Gill had a, a nice cutback where he shot to the toward the far post and it was on target and and Johnson had to make a, a punch a diving punch at it mm-hmm. uh, probably Gill more than anyone else threatened the goal after after Laren's miss but um, yeah Nocherino had uh, he led the team in tackles uh, I think he tied for the most interceptions uh, I kept I, I've heard a couple of people on Twitter and in our our threads saying that the midfield got overrun but the possession and the shots don't really bear that out, especially when you consider the fact that Notorino didn't get beat by anybody hardly all night. Right. And, um, and the back line didn't end up with a lot of tackles. So, you know, usually if the, if the midfield's getting overrun, you're giving up a ton of shots, especially in the middle of the pitch and your defenders are going to have a lot of tackles and, and clearances. And that wasn't the case. So I don't think the midfield got overrun. I just think the teams played fairly evenly, except in the final third. I think New York was very good in the final third, and Orlando City was off in the final third. Yep. Because if you go look at the passing chart, I don't think Orlando City had a complete pass in the area. Yeah, right, and I, I completely agree with you. I was going to say, uh, you know, everything but the midfield. So, uh, and, and and not just uh, they were productive in in the final third, and we weren't, but also, um, you know, our defense was a little bit off uh, because of the the moves that had to be made, and yeah. you know, um, theirs was you know fairly solid despite you know Rivas getting some decent balls in, but um, for whatever reason, um, you know, whether it's uh, Kaka being out mentally, Laren being out mentally after the the miss on the on the penalty or whatever, um, they were never able to get back on the front foot and or have that um, killer mentality that they they have had most of the year. I mean, you know, like we were just saying not too long ago at San Jose, you know, the the, the not give up. And I'm not saying that they quit, um, but um, I, no, I, I think really the, the it's just a belief. The the I think. I think they had a confidence crisis after after the penalty miss. I think yes. that they were still in the game until the penalty miss. Yes. And, um, and you know, there was still quite a few minutes to play. But at that point, you know, you've just blown an opportunity. You're not going to get a better opportunity to go 2-1. Well, uh, and it's, it's just a lot. Especially, the thing is, your body's already tired from the trip. And now your mind is tired. And then nothing works. And then your heart's uh, tired. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know... Well, and the, I thought going in, it's it's hard to beat any team three times in a year, let alone three times in 12 games. Correct. Um, so it was always going to be a tough ask to, to beat New York City again. And, uh, you know, hey, kudos to the visitors for getting uh, their first win in six meetings, um, in the last six meetings. Yeah. <laughs> and, and only their second win ever in the series. So that's not too bad. You, If you win the season series against New York City FC two years in a row and they're a playoff team, which they are, you know, you'll take that, I think, most times. But it, obviously, everybody's ready for this slump to be over, this yes. slump of results. I think I think that the performances haven't been bad. The results haven't been what we wanted. But I don't. I think, I think you can make a case that they deserve three points against Toronto. I think you can make a case that they deserve three against San Jose. Yep. Uh, I think, for sure, um, we're all going to throw out the Houston game. <laughs> but, uh, uh, what Houston game? I thought we already threw that out. <laughs> but other than that, you know, I, I don't think it, I don't think they're getting run off the pitch. I just think it's it, it's just a matter of regrouping and and getting some belief back and get some confidence back. I mean, um, 
this team over two seasons has has had a lot of bad results and i think it's harder for a team like that to mentally regroup when they've when you know they go winless for a couple games than it is for a team like let's say uh fc dallas loses two games in a row they're going to probably be able to bounce back a lot quicker because they're used to winning they have that mentality right they're not going to get their belief shaken and i think this team could get their belief shaken i think it is shaken but i think they have an opportunity and they know they have an opportunity coming up this weekend at minnesota and then coming home to play dc united team that's you know struggled this season um didn't mean to do my snake impersonation there and just kind of fumbled over my words but uh, dc united oh, those are two winnable games and i'm not saying that they're going to win them both because again one win on the road this year and having to go to minnesota which um you know they've gotten a lot better in recent weeks they've given teams a lot tougher challenges in the last several weeks especially at home right um and you know they're going to be fired up wanting to get a win for adrian heath they're going to be wanting to get uh, kevin molino a goal against his old team so it's not going to be easy saturday night but certainly there is an opportunity. Certainly this is not one of the West's finer teams. So well, and uh, and, and we're going to get into that you know more a little yeah. later. The the other thing I wanted to to mention is, and we we talked about it a couple weeks ago. You know how tough this month uh, was going to be with as many oh, brutal, games. Brutal yeah, month, yeah, brutal month. So you know we had high hopes at the beginning. You know we were hoping that you know you know, we go and we steal something here or there, and that that the home stretch you know, maintains, well, okay, you know, so that didn't happen. But, you know, if you go back and you count them, the, the number of games and the, and the amount of time, it's no wonder that they're physically and mentally tired. Um, mm-hmm. So, and, and it, unfortunately it's, it's not necessarily, I mean, yes, we're actually having a break this week where we only have to preview one match. Yeah. It's a normal week. It's a normal, it's a normal week, week for them. Right. So go so us. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, why don't we turn our attention to the Orlando Pride? Because the Orlando Pride, they're on a little bit of a different streak here. They are three games without a loss now as they have gone up to Seattle and drew 1-1 with the rain. And I think that I did not consider this a game that the team could get a result in. I didn't. I just thought the rain was the highest scoring team in MLS or I'm sorry, in NWSL. And, uh, you know, Orlando Pride have had some issues in the in the back a little bit with giving up shots, giving up chances. Uh, maybe not always the most um, organized at times, but uh, they they play hard. And I thought that there was a chance to maybe if they could hold the rain under two goals to maybe get a draw and possibly even steal three points. And lo and behold, they held them under two and uh, got the draw. In fact, um, it was nil nil pretty deep into the game. Uh, and then disaster struck for the Pride, actually. Ashlyn Harris, uh, on a goal kick, uh, pulled up, no contact, went down, and was in, obviously, a lot of pain. And uh, they had to, to come out, and then the trainers kept, came out, and they ended up taking her out of the game. And we, we will talk more about Ashlyn in a minute. Right. Um, and, and so, <laughs> normally you would put in Aubrey Bledsoe, the backup. Well, the week before, against North Carolina, at halftime during warm-ups... Uh, I think it was Laura Alloway cracked a ball that hit Bledsoe in the head and she got a concussion. So um, just the perfect storm. They went out and signed an emergency backup, Caroline Stanley, and lo and behold, her first game on the bench, she's in the game. So Caroline Stanley goes in and, um, you know, it didn't take, I guess, that long before Seattle broke through. Um, 
In fact, it was it was a little bit of Caroline Stanley not getting a punch clear. Yep. Uh, she had a cross come in. She punched at it. It fell perfectly for Bev Yanez, who uh, put it in the net, made it 1-0. And then it was good, like, oh, wow, this is really not good. Uh, the chances are very, very bleak now. Or so we thought. But, yeah, but, you know, Orlando's got this player from Brazil named Marta. Marta. And Marta. She's, kind of, she's kind of good. Little, she's kind of good, little bit, little bit good? Yeah, a little kind of good. Uh, she, I think she's won some awards and stuff. Hmm. And uh, she – so uh, the funny thing is – Goalkeeper error on the other end, Haley Kopmeyer, who uh, incidentally may be the beneficiary with the U.S. Women's National Team uh, with Harris out right. for the June friendlies. Uh, she goes to take a goal kick and uh, she tries to pass it to a teammate. Well, the teammate was either not paying that much attention or was caught sleeping or just wasn't aware to, of the danger. But certainly Kopmeyer should not give her, her teammate a ball with Camilla and Marta bearing down on her. No, that was and, a bad uh, idea. <laughs> so Camilla got there about the same time as the ball, poked it over to Marta. Marta puts it in the net. We got a 1-1 game. And, um, you know, there were some opportunities there for the Pride in that game also to get maybe get a second one. But uh, they didn't. Uh, the last few minutes of the game was all Seattle, but they couldn't put another one past Caroline Stanley. And, um, you know, it ended up in a 1-1 draw. And I think that first point, uh, that the the pride have gotten on the West Coast, uh, you know, considering the the Portland and Seattle teams, the West Coast teams, uh, so not bad. They get to come home, uh, or no, I'm sorry, they don't come home. They actually came home to train, and then they're going to Sky Blue. That's right. Uh, this week, so <laughs> the the pride moved up to eighth in the standings. And granted, there's still only one win on to show for it, but this team, Dave, has played six games four of them have been on the road and after this saturday at sky blue they will have played five of their first seven games on the road and obviously no alex morgan and no ashlyn harris now so um if they can get any kind of result at sky blue and come home uh with you know a point maybe even three this is a team that can make a run with all of the backloaded home schedule. The backloaded home schedule is going to be huge, especially. All right. So uh, as we know, Harris is out um, and Morgan's not back yet, but at some point they're both going to be back. And and in the meantime, you've got, well, let's see, scoring goals. Um, oh yeah. Right. Marta, uh, <laughs> only one of the best uh, women's players ever. Uh, and then, you know, Caroline Stanley, I mean, talk about coming in, and stepping up, I mean, yes, so first goal or that, that only goal she gave up, okay, that sucks. But the rest of the game, she was on. I mean, she, she kept everything else out. That's, a, that's all you can ask of a, of a, a well, backup goalie or, or not quite third string, but, a, you know, an emergency signing goalie to come in and do that. So, um, you know, kudos to her for that. Um, of course, you know, of course, Marta, if Camilla gets on that ball and, and gets it over to Marta, well, that was uh, that that was going to be a goal. I mean, Marta's in the yeah. box with just her one on one with the keeper. Yeah. OK, I'm not I wasn't that worried about that at all. So um, that was going to be a goal. And then after that, like you said, plenty of chances for the pride to actually steal uh, three points. Um, it, it wasn't quite able to happen, but, um, you know, five out of seven games on the road after we, uh, go up to sky blue, it, it's going to be, um, obviously Harris is still going to be out. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens, uh, between the sticks. But, um, if, if they can keep, 
like like you said, I mean, one win, but and yet there's a feeling that it's all going to come together at some point when everybody comes back and and that backloaded schedule and it, it it's it's almost like a you know uh, we're 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 in the beginning of the part of the movie where the the team is is struggling, <laughs> but then you know everybody comes together and somebody makes a great speech and all of a sudden you know they win and uh, so I, I'm I'm despite the record I feel pretty good about this team. Yeah, not too bad. I mean, if they could stay in contact, uh, w- you know, within a like I always I always think of it like baseball. You're a game back, right? Right. If you're in soccer, you're three points back. You're a game back, basically. Yep. So if they can stay within that one game or one and a half games back of the of the four playoff spots, then you know get their get they've got two three game home uh, stands later in the year. They've got way more home games than road games the rest of the way out. Uh, there's absolutely no reason they can't make a run, especially getting Morgan back and having Morgan and Marta play together. Um, man, it, it really does set up nicely for for Tom Sermani's group. And he, he, I mean, the schedule makers couldn't have made a harder schedule to start the year. Going to Portland, going to uh, Seattle, going to North Carolina, uh, you know, playing the, the Shield winners and the two teams from the finalists of last year, you know, in the first three weeks. It could not have been a, a tougher schedule to, to eke out. And... They came through it. They came through the hardest part of the schedule. So now all they need to do is get another win. If they can get one at Sky Blue or even get a draw to stay, you know, keep that momentum going and then start getting some home games in, there's really a good feeling. And I think the the back line has played a role. They've only given up one goal in each of the last three games. Uh, Camilla played fantastic against Seattle. Uh, I think she had four I want to say she had four uh, chances created and, and a, some shots. And I think she's a player that continues to evolve. And um, and she obviously plays well with Marta. Right. And they're not the only ones. I mean, everybody is, uh, you know, Steph Catley is is doing well. Uh, there's a lot of players that are, are, are stepping up, creating chances, uh, doing what they need to. Um, if um, And then, like you just said, with – whenever Alex gets back and we have Alex and Marta at the same time, um, it's, it's entirely possible that the, uh, the, uh, fandom will explode, um, the first time that those two are on the field together. So, um, it's things, like I said, things are looking up. You, you, they managed to get through that ridiculous first part of the season. And that allows that, that, that back end of the season to uh, offer a lot of opportunity. Um, you know, are they going to win them all? Of course not. Um, but uh, the opportunity for a lot of points is going to be there, especially with um, you know, the the players that we have. You know, the the Martas being there with the experience they have, and then the other players developing. So um, it's uh, you know, I, I, I it looks good. It, it looks like there's a lot of potential. I mean, it, it, it remains to be seen what happens. But um, like I said, I, I'm feeling pretty happy about it. Oh, well, hopefully they can go up and take care of – if they got to keep a, a close eye on, on Sam Kerr and, and uh, Kelly O'Hara and, and Sky Blue FC and, and hopefully uh, come home with some points and, and uh, move forward into the weekend uh, or the week ahead uh, and finally get in a home game. So good luck to Tom Sermani's crew, and hopefully they can get that. Unfortunately, we didn't get the Chi Ubogagu bump because uh, she had a hamstring issue and didn't play over the weekend. So maybe she saved it for a week. That's right. I mean, uh, you know, it, there is no uh, time limit on the uh, on the bump. So, you That's know, right. it's, it's entirely possible that it'll, you know, it'll happen later. 
So Ashlyn Harris, uh, they the announcement came out today, is going to miss about two months, Dave. She she injured her quadricep near her hip, and uh, it's going to take eight weeks or so to heal. She's going to miss eight games. She's going to miss uh, the U.S. women's national team trip to Europe for a couple friendlies in Sweden and Norway. Uh, hopefully she'll be back in time uh, to play, I think, July 22nd, and uh, then maybe play in the, the uh, tournament that's going to be out west uh, with Australia and Brazil um, and uh, Japan. And uh, hopefully she'll be able to play in that and go after her starting spot with the U.S. women's national team. But uh, it's a big blow, and hopefully uh, the team can weather the storm. We don't know if Aubrey Bledsoe is going to be in uniform or not this weekend. Uh, if I had to guess, I'd say maybe another week before she comes back. So there may be another emergency goalkeeper signing uh, to put somebody behind Caroline Stanley for this weekend. And, um, you know, hopefully, uh, but hopefully Aubrey Bledsoe will be back sooner rather than later and be able to, uh, you know, provide Tom Sermani some coverage in front of that net. Uh, Dave, before we get to our guest, an incident happened this weekend. Mm-hmm. Involves a former Orlando City head coach. Uh, Adrian Heath, in fact, Inchi. Inchi himself. He uh, he took a stroll out onto the pitch again. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Is it? Wait, what year is it? It's 2017, and this is not a repeat. I mean, I guess it is a repeat, but it's not the same exact instance. Uh, but Adrian Heath, my friends, is a repeat offender. Oof. Uh, in 2015, uh, he stepped on the pitch and was fined for it. Didn't go all the way on the pitch, I guess. He stepped on the pitches the way they worded it. Uh, in a game against, I think it was New York City FC. In that same game, Mark Watson entered the pitch. So those are the ways. That's the way that the MLS worded it. So I'm guessing that Mark Watson uh, entered the pitch, meaning he both feet on the pitch and stepped on the pitch for Adrian Heath, meaning I guess that he only had one foot on the pitch. But anyway, he got a fine. Watson got suspended uh, for a game. And uh, in 2016, and by the way, that happened in the 54th minute of a game. And the next year, in the 54th minute of a game, <laughs> Adrian Heath stepped on the ball, stepped on the field to get a ball. Uh, and this time he was suspended. He was, uh, he was, he was against, I think, New York Red Bulls, and he was suspended for the Sporting Kansas City game, as you may recall. Oh yeah. Um, the uh, Mark Watson took over for head coach uh, for the second time because the first time was in 2015 when when Inchi was ejected from the Red Bulls game uh, and and uh, Watson had to coach against New York City FC. Um, but this was the second time. So they go to Sporting Kansas City. Uh, the team gets beat only two to one, which was amazing considering they got outshot 20, uh, 34 to seven, 34 to seven. They got outshot. I remember that game. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Mark Watson quite got the defensive message across to his team that day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and now uh, he just did it this past weekend uh, against what? LA Galaxy? Stepped out on the pitch to get a ball. Yep. Stepped out on the pitch to get a ball. A year and 15 days. A year and 15 days since the last time he did it. Uh, and this time it was in the 48th minute. Well, he's so, got a new team, though, so obviously the time the, – there's well, no, think about it. There's a time difference because <laughs> he's, in a, he's yeah. in a different time zone. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's any such thing as a time difference of uh, six minutes. Um, I don't think that exists in, in the, the international well, you're, you're not doing the, You're not doing the calculations for a 90-minute <laughs> no. game. So anyway, um, 
clearly Adrian Heath needs to be chained to the bench when he comes back from halftime because something happens right after halftime to where he just feels like I need to get out there. Uh, <laughs> well, he is a former player, so you know, I mean, he's probably but he's probably feeling that. Alicia Delgallo of the Orlando Sentinel reporting this evening that he will not be suspended this week. Does that surprise you, Dave? Uh, yes, actually it does, because uh, when I heard about that, I actually uh, went to uh, E Pluribus Lunum, uh, our fellow SB Nation site, and I was thinking, <laughs> okay, surely we are going to see that Heath is suspended, just as he was for us. Yeah. And even their coverage said, probably going to be suspended. Yeah, I, I think it was almost, everybody just assumed it would happen, because it, sure. has, it has always happened before. There was always. precedent. And... And like I said, repeat offender, third time in three years in the league that he's done it. So I guess I just I just don't get it. I mean, I get that, you know, the, the league's like, oh, he's going to go up against his old team. We have to we have to let him play, you know, have to let him be on the field. No, you don't. It's you know, you didn't you still suspended Dom Dwyer for five yellow cards. Right. You know, you could have just not given Dom a yellow card the week before, you know, Sporting came here. And, you know, I mean, I guess Dom could have gotten more than two goals, but his replacement scored two um, in a 2-2 tie. So that kind of sucked for Orlando as it was. Uh, and now, you know, uh, we don't get to put 34 shots on, on Mark Watson, coach team. It's uh, it's going to be inchy on, uh, on Saturday night. Uh, well, you know what? Um... Yeah, it's it's a little bit unbelievable that he is in suspended. Um, I I don't know why. I I'm I'm very hesitant to call conspiracy in regards to them doing it for uh, reasons of him playing against the old team or coaching against the old team. I I, I don't I don't think they're that smart. Uh, well, I, I called them a collect. I called the disciplinary committee or disco as we like to call them. I called them in an open letter to them uh, last year uh, a collectively an idiot. Uh, for that for that ruling because it's a, you know what it's a stupid stupid rule so it's your fault it a, they listen to you it is a it is the dumbest of rules to say you know I know why it's in place you don't want any confrontations you don't want anybody interfering with play I get all the reasons why that rule is in place but he didn't violate the spirit of the law no because he, he didn't do any of that he he actually helped by going out, getting the extra ball, so somebody didn't have to. I mean, right. you know how tedious games can get when they sort of bog down, and then you know, oh, there's a second ball on the pitch. Somebody's got to walk over and kick it off the field. I mean, literally, he's like five feet from it. It's so a safety just, issue. Yeah, so he just takes a step onto the pitch and gets the other ball out of there. And and Ben Olson did the same thing last year and got suspended for it. And I I thought it was stupid then, and then it happened to Heath, and I thought it was even dumber then. And and I did. I said you 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 need to look at this again and i doubt that they listen to me because if they listen to me a lot of things would be different in this world but <laughs> at the same time it's it's very ironic that this is the opportunity where they had the chance to say uh okay yeah we're going to change our our tactics on this and oh yeah it benefited orlando's opponent before it's benefiting orlando's opponent again just weird you're 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 trying to get me to believe in a conspiracy theory here i can tell <laughs> i can tell i'm not trying I'm, i did you're just putting the facts out there and my own mind's I, going I, to I, it i get it uh i said coincidence I, I i again it's a dumb rule i'm glad they're not suspending him because it's a dumb rule. it is a dumb rule. i just think it would have been really nice if it had not happened against us where they actually got the opportunity to uh to do the right thing so anyway we're going to talk to our guest a little bit more about 
Adrian Heath and about Minnesota United, a team we've never faced before, Dave Rowe. Not only you and me personally, but the team that we support uh, has never played Minnesota United. So uh, let's get to our special guest because, man, we've been babbling a long time uh, because we had to recap two, uh, two Orlando City games and a Pride game. Not that we mind. We actually enjoy that. Uh, but we'll get to our guest right after this. All right, joining us this week on the Mainland Podcast, we're happy to have with us from the SB Nation Minnesota United blog, E Pluribus Lunum, Nate Seams. Nate, thanks for being with us on the podcast. Thanks for having me. So before we really get into this, I wanted to just say uh, this is actually a true story. I named your blog. You did. I did. I will back you up on that. Actually, <laughs> we had a we had a discussion in the uh, SB Nation chat, uh, a blog, uh, or Slack chat about uh, your blog when you guys came online and you were looking for a, a name. And I think what was cool was that you were kind of like us and, and looking for a name that was, you know, sort of tied into the team in some respects and uh, and was sort of unique. And I think somebody brought up uh, Latin. Latin phrases and and a play off of that and I just I just rattled it off and most of the people there seemed to like it and and you guys jumped on it and I, I think it, it's worked pretty good for you guys. Yeah, I mean I think the Latin, if I remember correctly, comes from the Minnesota Timberwolves blog because theirs is Latin, so we wanted to play off that. And then when he suggested that, we didn't want anything else. <laughs> yeah, so we all started cracking up and took it. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't really know. I don't think any of us really knew kind of how serious it was, and 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 then we, it just kind of happened, and it was kind of cool because now I'm I'm responsible for two punny blog names on SB Nation's MLS sites, and I'm I'm pretty proud of that. I think that's my greatest achievement. I think in life. I mean, it's something you should put on your business card. So. <laughs> I should <laughs> should for sure. Uh, okay, so. Um, We've never played you guys before, obviously, uh, and um, you've never played us, and we're going to have a game on Saturday. We, all kinds of feels going on here, going up against our original coach and uh, against the original Kevin Molino uh, on Saturday night. I, I think the first thing I wanted to ask you about is the 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 field stepping, the, 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 step, the step onto the field by Adrian Heath, because he's been in hot water for that before, the... Uh, 2015 season, he was fined for what the what the what the league called stepping onto the pitch, and then in 2016 he was suspended a game for what they call entering the pitch, and what he did uh, last weekend was exactly the same thing he did in 2016 against the Red Bulls, stepped onto the pitch uh, just a few feet to grab a, a wayward ball, and um, we're hearing though that there's not going to be a suspension, and, and I, I think. Um, well, I think the word bullshit comes to mind from my perspective because <laughs> because it's like, okay, you didn't – you penalized Orlando City. Now Orlando City's playing Minnesota. He did it again, and you're not penalizing the team playing Orlando City. So I just want to get your thoughts on sort of the whole, you know, I guess entering the pitch gate. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even see it live. I'm going to be honest. I didn't – I wasn't – watching for him to step onto the pitch. Yeah. I mean, that's not something you really think about while you're watching. Um, and then when it, it all came to a, to a head when we were talking about it in our Slack conversation, 
But yeah, it looks like for some reason they're just going to warn him this time. Apparently the last suspension wasn't warning enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, maybe it's, to me, it seems like it might be just pushing the storyline of Heath playing his old club. I don't know. Um, I mean, obviously I'm happy that he's not being suspended because I think it's a little bit of a ticky-tack rule. Yeah, but it is a dumb rule. At this point, I wrote, this uh, one, I'm not going to explain. Yeah, no kid. I, I, I wrote a uh, an open letter to the disciplinary committee uh, after it happened last year. It was pretty stupid and, and I wasn't coming at it just from Adrian Heath because Ben Olsen had also uh, had a suspension for the same thing a couple weeks before Adrian Heath did it and but I, I think a little bit this feels like you get a $200 fine for speeding you speed again you get a month in jail and they figure well that's too harsh so the next time you speed you get nothing it's kind of a little bit what it feels like <laughs> to me but uh but it, I mean it's cool because it, it, it is a big storyline and um you know, um, I don't think you guys want any part of Mark Watson coaching your team uh, because he gave up his team gave up 34 shots when he filled in for Inchy the last time he did that. So um, maybe maybe a big. Yeah, no, big I, don't, bonus I, for you. I want Adrian. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the actual game now. I wanted to start out by asking you about the team in general. Minnesota United, as I, I don't have to tell you, started the season just with a, a historically abysmal defense. But the team seems to have come around a little bit in recent weeks. I just wanted to get your thoughts on on what the changes were that were made and, and you know, in terms of is it just personnel? Is it tactics? Is it both? What is the story behind Minnesota, you know, becoming a, a much more um, formidable opponent for, for teams? I mean, I think it's mainly personnel when you think about it. I mean, they took Vadim Demidov off the field, and it's made all the difference. Um, and Adrian Heath kept with that four-man back line, which is kind of something that I was actually arguing against, maybe going to a three, addition by subtraction, three-man back line. But he brought in Minnesota native Brent Coleman, and he, Coleman and Francisco Calvo seem to be having great chemistry back in on that back line in the center. Um, it helps that Jerome Tison doesn't have three days of practice anymore um, and actually can play. Um, and then the trade for Mark Birch and Sam Cronin has made all the difference. Um, Cronin has immediately stepped in and become a leader. Um, I'm not surprised he's not wearing the captain's armband yet, but I think he will eventually. Um, and Mark Birch he is what he is, but he's a much better left back option than what we had. Um, and then bringing Miguel Ibarra on has seemed to have woken up the, the offense as well. The first couple games they were scoring well, but there was, there's something with Miguel Ibarra's just, I, don't, I think it might be his workmanlike uh, take on the game and that he's willing to run back as quickly as possible. He's willing to attack as quickly as possible that has, the goals are coming, which is nice. Um, and the nice thing is we're not giving up a hundred goals every game. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a little tough when uh, you're giving up goals like that. Now uh, you mentioned the offense, of course, uh, those of us here in Orlando, Michael mentioned the original Kevin Molino. Um, how is, uh, how is, is Kevin settling into the, uh, the, 
cold uh, confines of Minnesota. And, and remember, it's cold up there no matter what for those of us down here. Um, but anyway, how is he settling in up there? And, and uh, 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 how is how are the Minnesota fans uh, embracing him? It was shorts weather today. It was like 60 degrees. Um, Kevin, See, that, thanks, thanks for making my point for our listeners. Jacket weather for you, for you <laughs> Floridians. Jacket weather. Yeah. <laughs> um, Kevin Molino has been wonderful. Um, arguably, I mean, him and Christian Ramirez are the, where the goals are coming from. And as the offense goes, as Molino goes, it's pretty obvious, um, especially against San Jose. It looked like the earthquakes were really teeing off on Kevin Molino, and the offense just couldn't get going. Um, so I personally was a little bit vocal about the trade originally. I just thought they, the team gave up a little too much money for him. Um, mainly cause I hadn't seen him as closely as you guys obviously had, but he clearly is the best offensive option on the team in terms of overall offensive ability. Obviously Christian Ramirez can score goals at will, um, like Kevin Molino's basically the driving force behind most of the goals this season. So I wanted to sort of get your thoughts on, um, you know, the match coming up, obviously Adrian Heath going up against his old team, Kevin Molino going up against his old team. Uh, I don't know how much time you guys spend, you know, around the club, but there seems to be, you know, you would think a, a little bit of added incentive, certainly a, a motivated Kevin Molino is a, is the most dangerous Kevin Molino and um, and I got to think that Adrian Heath wants a, a sh- to take a shot at his old team. But have you have you noticed anything? Have, have you guys been to training or anything and, and seen any of this evidence? Uh, I mean, not quite yet. Um, hopefully, if we can get out to training this week and see if there's something. It seems like Adrian Heath's trying to kind of play down the hype around it, um, at least in some of his statements recently. Um, I, I mean, obviously, it's there. There's no going around the storyline that. Adrian, he's playing his old club. Kevin Molino, angry that he was traded. But is he angry? Is that, is that a real thing? Is, the... I'm sorry to interrupt you, but is he, is he angry because he, you know, the story that's being spun is that he he asked to uh, to be moved. I mean, I've heard both, so that's why I just I'm I don't know if it's a storyline that you guys have heard, but I've heard both storylines. Um. Personally, I, I, I've heard, I agree with that storyline that he has to be moved. Um, Cause that's, I remember that was a big storyline before the trade mm-hmm. was that he was not happy in Orlando. Um, but personally, the way I see the game coming up, especially from the fans perspective is I just see it as another match. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously it means more to Heath and Molino than it would just to a random fan. So I haven't seen anything big, um, but obviously it's going to be there. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no denying that. Um, so personally, I haven't seen anything. I haven't heard anything. Like I said, it seems like he's is trying to play it down a little bit. Um, but I haven't been around practice this week yet. And hopefully one of my writers will be out tomorrow and maybe they'll see something more. Um, but being the team itself is pushing for other initiatives this weekend um, rather than just that storyline. So I, I would be surprised if around practice there's a buzz about uh, Heath playing his old club or Molino playing his old club. Well, of course, he's he is playing the old club, um, but he's going to be doing it at home, uh, or at least uh, his new home. So um, 
Uh, I'm curious, you, you know, obviously you guys only have so many games uh, in MLS. Um, are there any particular home advantages uh, in Minnesota other than the 60-degree short jacket, depending on your perspective weather? Uh, I mean, if you talk to the LA Galaxy, the turf is awful. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> honestly, it doesn't. It seems like they they feed off the fans. That's very evident, especially against the Galaxy this past weekend. I, the fans were super loud. Um, so any normal home field advantages, feeding off your fans, being in front of your fans. Um, but other than that, I mean, if you're not used to the cold weather, um, it, it's not going to be that cold this weekend. Um, then it's not going to help. I mean, I'd say that the cold weather would be an advantage, but we all saw what happened in the snow bowl. <laughs> um, so uh, I would say that the big thing is just playing. I mean, it's sim- a simple home field advantage, playing in front of your own fans, hearing them cheer your name, hearing them going after the other team. Um, and then, like I said, if you believe the LA Galaxy, the turf is awful. So. <laughs> well, I will say that having watched a few games, I would I would say that, it certainly looks like the turf wouldn't be uh, the best playing surface. The, there appears to be a seam on the far side opposite the camera where maybe they widened the, the pitch or something, but it, it definitely doesn't, it, it's not the most picturesque pitch. I'll put it that way. Um, so, you know, the Minnesota is coming in, obviously at the same time as Atlanta United. When Orlando city came into MLS, it was, it was New York city FC and there's, I guess, a mild rivalry in that Orlando City pretty much hates New York City, but New York doesn't really reciprocate that all that much because they have other teams closer by. Do you feel any type of of sibling rivalry with with Atlanta United, or, or has there been another team that's sort of picked up as as a, a natural rival for you guys yet? Um, I mean, yes and no with Atlanta United. I, I'd say it kind of seems like our fans take exception to all the attention that they got mm-hmm. um coming well they the invented soccer rather than you know yeah pretty much that <laughs> i mean that seems like most people seem to take exception to that as well um and obviously the beat down that atlanta united gave to minnesota united didn't help matters um and i think it's always going to be like that orlando city new york city kind of friendly rivalry mm-hmm. one cares more about the other um because it doesn't seem like Atlanta United fans really care that much against Minnesota United, except for that one fan that had the jersey printed with the score on it. <laughs> guessing he doesn't like Minnesota United. Um, but in terms of like natural rivals, Sporting Kansas City seems to be the one that's coming up. Um, Minnesota United's faced them, I believe, three out of the last four years in the U.S. Open Cup as it was, um, including this coming matchup. Um, and last year's game in Blaine, Minnesota was not a friendly match by any means. Um, I believe it was 10, I could be wrong on this, but I believe it was 10 yellow cards shown in that game. Um, so it's definitely, it's definitely going to probably be Sporting Kansas City as the main rival. Um, and we, I don't think we've played enough teams yet to really see who else it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, yeah, I don't think Atlanta United fans really care that much about Minnesota United fans, but Minnesota United fans definitely took exception to all the attention they got coming into the league rather than Minnesota United. Mm-hmm. Minnesota United got attention, but it wasn't the best attention in the world. 
Gotcha. Well, looking ahead to uh, Saturday, um, obviously uh, both teams uh, coming off of, of losses. Um, when when you're looking at Orlando City, uh, what aspect of their game um, gives you the most concern and, and what part do you think uh, Minnesota can take advantage of? Um, I'll give you one name that gives me concern, and his name is Kyle Lahren. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter what's going on with him. Um, he's arguably the best player I've seen come into the league in years. Um, and so that's obvious, and especially with the defensive problems that Minnesota United has seemed to have figured out, but they definitely ha- still have extremely bad mental lapses in the game. Um, so Kyle Aaron obviously keeps most coaches up at night. Um, in terms of what Minnesota United can exploit, I think if they play their offensive game well and allow uh, hopefully a fired-up Kevin Molino to have free range of the field, I think it could be a high-scoring match. Um, and I think if if you allow, if Minnesota United just plays their game, which is free-flowing and offensive, pretty typical Adrian Heath, um, I think they can exploit uh, Orlando City. I admittedly haven't watched a ton of Orlando City this year, so I'm not sure how how great their defense has been this year. Um, but Minnesota United has exploited other pretty good defenses. I mean, they scored two at Colorado, um, which is impressive no matter who you are. Um, so I think that's the best way to exploit Orlando City. But like I said, I mean, Kyle Aaron is otherworldly. All right, Nate, before we let you get out of here, um, just wanted to, well, first of all, let me ask you, does does a coach playing against his old players have more of an advantage than the old players playing against their old coach? Who, who do you think has an advantage in that kind of matchup? That's a solid question. Um, biasly, bias me wants to say coach against his old players, but you know, I personally, I think the players might have an advantage. Um, they, I mean, they know the system, they know how the, how the coach wants to play Mm -hmm. so they can, they can go into the game thinking, well, this is how he's going to attack us. Let's just avoid that. Um, so I, I would honestly give the advantage to Orlando city in that case. I personally have never been put in that situation, so I'm not aware of what would be more of an advantage, but I could definitely see more of an advantage for the players than the coach, actually, in that situation. I think it's easier for the players to adjust than the coach to adjust. Sounds good. might be a weird take on it. (laughs) No, no, it it makes sense. Your your logic is sound, I think. Um, I don't know if it's, if you know, again, like I was thinking about that today, and I thought, I really don't know. I mean, because the players obviously know how the coach wants to play, and the player, or the coach, you would think knows the strengths and weaknesses of the players. So it's kind of maybe it's a wash. I don't know, but um, I thought I'd ask you that. Question. I think it's a wash. <laughs> so uh, before you get out of here, uh, I wanted to get your key matchup for the game and and what you predict the score will be at the uh, at the conclusion of the ninety plus whatever minutes. I think the key matchup will be Christian Ramirez versus Orlando City's back line. Um, Christian Ramirez has a tendency to disappear at times during the game and come out of nowhere to score a goal. So as long as, I think as long as Orlando City can keep tabs on him for a full 90 minutes, I, I think that changes things. And as much as it pains me to say, 
I'm predicting three to two Orlando City. All right. Well, um, I hope that you're a better uh, predictor of scores than I am because I'm very bad at it. And I'm, or we are. <laughs> We've been notoriously bad as of late. <laughs> so uh, anyway, Nate Seams from E Pluribus Lunum, the very uh, well-named blog covering Minnesota United for SB Nation. Thanks so much for being with us, and uh, we look forward to uh, talking to you again in the future. Thanks for having me. My goodness, uh, this is a lengthy, lengthy edition of the Mainland Podcast here in episode number 87, but I think a pretty good one. And uh, before we wrap it up, David Rowe, I want to uh, be sure to we thank again our guest Nate Seams from E Pluribus Lunum, and uh, his and his, his crew over there is doing a bang-up job covering Minnesota United for SB Nation. Uh, check them out over there. I forgot to to get his information, get him to give his information to follow him on Twitter and all that stuff, but uh, it's Nate Seams. Uh, his last name is spelled S-I-E-M-S. If you go over to epluribuslunum.com and you look on their staff page, you can probably get his Twitter and all that stuff off there. But he, he's a good dude, and um, we're happy to have had him on and and uh, talked a little bit of soccer with him. Uh, Dave, before we get out of here, uh, we're, of course, going to have to talk a little bit more about this Minnesota matchup. Just you and me without the interference of a third party from a, a, a very biased pro-Minnesota blogger. Um, but before we do that, I want to mention that we haven't talked about Orlando City B, uh, and that's because they've been off. They've been off all week, and uh, they had another two-week break. But they're back in action this weekend, Saturday night. All three teams in action, Dave, at the same time. Uh, well, sure, because they like making our jobs harder. Yeah, I mean, it's it, – can't even really DVR them all because, you know, you get the streaming thing going on with the, the NWSL and the uh, the USL. So, uh, But we'll have full coverage of Orlando City B against Charlotte. Uh, they're they're uh, coming back home. OCB finally playing a home game. Uh, it will be interesting to see who gets minutes in that game. Uh, we have not been seeing Haji Berry in the lineup for the MLS side, so maybe he'll get a start. Um, and uh, maybe we'll see more of Rafael Ramos and uh, Seb Hines uh, for uh, for the uh, Young Lions. So uh, we'll have Scott Carnival at the game to cover that and bring the recap. Uh, you can find that at themainland.com on Saturday night. I'm going to be very busy because I've got coverage duties for the Minnesota game. Uh, and I'm sure that it's my, also my edit night. So I'll be editing the, uh, the recaps post game of both the pride and OCB. So it's going to be a late night for me. Are you saying that you do a lot of work for this? Uh, well, for our listeners who don't know, <laughs> Michael does a lot of work. It's, it's only a second full-time job. That's all with, with, um, with, Beer money, essentially, uh, is what I get. Um, and, and really, the beer I drink, it's not even beer money. No, not the beer we drink. You're right. <laughs> so anyway, um, let's let's wrap this up. The folks have something to do, and I'm sure their commute is probably not as long as mine for most of them. So they don't get to listen to the podcast all in one sitting the way I usually do. Um, but anyway, um, Orlando City going to Minnesota United. First matchup between the two teams. Um you know, it's it's a team that started the season just horribly and looked like it was going to be a team that, you know, was not only bad and not only a last place team, but historically bad and potentially like record settingly bad. Uh, they gave up so many goals their first few games, and it just looked like they could not keep from giving up four goals a game. 
and that would have been a record at the end of the year had they right. kept up that pace. But they actually have, you know, they made a nice trade with Colorado, which I don't see what really Colorado got out of that deal. But uh, <laughs> Minnesota shored up both their defensive midfield and their back line with one trade uh, and just that little tweak, plus, uh, you know, obviously some some. Uh, probably come to God uh, moments with the coaching staff, um, you know, come to Jesus meetings uh, with in the locker room. Uh, they've they've rallied and they've they're actually a tough out now. They they are not an easy team to to beat and they will be at home. They'll be feeling pretty confident and they're going to have uh, you know Orlando City's former coach. They're going to have Orlando City's uh, you know multiple goal and assist getter from last year, Kevin Molino. Uh, leading their offense, and he's going to be motivated. I think we all know how scary Kevin Molino is when he's motivated. It's the times that he's not motivated that really kind of, uh, you know, kept him from becoming just an all-star player last year. Um, and he still has some of those moments, but he's not going to have those, Dave, against Orlando City. No, uh, I think we're all a little myth that uh, they were able to pull all of that together right before we head up there. Um <laughs> And once, and then not only that, but not only heading up there, but on the road again. Yeah. Uh, we we talked earlier about the uh, how ridiculous this month and how uh, brutal this month has been. Well, here we go. We're back at it. We're on the road. We're going to some place we've never been before on a pitch that we've never played before against a coach that we do know and uh, a player that we do know who. Um, uh, you know, Inchi and then the original, it's, uh, it, that makes it a, a, a wee bit, uh, a wee bit tough for, uh, for us. The only thing I'm going to say is that given that we have, um, so many new players on our squad, um, not everybody on the, on the team has all the memories, um, from, from prior. So it, mm-hmm. it, it you know, that maybe that helps us a little bit. Um, I don't know. Your cat sounds terrified. Like you know what, he, he's <laughs> he's not as terrified as I am. Uh, no, I it's 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 a tough hole anytime you, we go play uh, away in the MLS. We know that, and uh, I would have liked to have gotten these guys early in the year, but uh, it is what it is. So uh, all we can do is go up there, um, do our best. We've actually had a regular week this week so it's not a short week it's not a, a a week where we've got another game you know three days later or whatever so it, it's it's not quite as bad and um i don't know it's this is one of those ones that could go any which direction yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens i i know that it's going to be it's it's not going to be easy or, uh, you know, one thing you can count on about Adrian Heath's teams is that they will get scoring chances and they've got guys that can finish. Christian Ramirez has has shown that he can finish. Miguel Ibarra is a dangerous player. Obviously, Kevin Molino is a dangerous player. So they've got some firepower, some weapons, uh, and you know they're going to take us very seriously and try to get three points uh, for their coach who was very, very much maligned early in the season. And in fact, it was only a few games in where people were starting to wonder if he was going to make it to the all-star break. Uh, but, you know, to, to Adrian Heath's credit, and, and I like Adrian Heath a lot. I've talked to him several times when he was the coach sure. here, uh, in, in not just in press conferences, but in, in more um, casual, relaxed uh, atmospheres. And he, he just seems like a good dude to me. So I'm glad that he was able to turn that around. But I hope he colossally Fs things up on Saturday <laughs> night. Uh, <laughs> um, so, you know, I mean, the two things you know about this team is you're going to get chances to score on them. They're going to get chances to score on you. 
who does it best will come out on top as it was the case here for two years or a year and a half. Uh, what is your key matchup and your scoreline prediction for Saturday night? Okay. So uh, you're absolutely right. It's, it's all going to come down to the offense and um, you know, <sighs> so I think it's going to be, uh, I know what their offense is going to do. I think we're actually going to have to, uh, to try and uh, to outscore. And that's, uh, that's been a problem as of late, but, as I mentioned earlier, Kyle does seem to uh, have a, uh, uh, a set amount that he is going to score in any given amount of time, and then he is due. So I think we'll see something there. Uh, given the the actual regular week that they're going to have, even though they're traveling, I think that's going to help with uh, the, the stamina and the mental health of everybody. Plus, um, you know, you mentioned earlier that um, – yeah, where does the advantage go? Does it go to the coach against the former players or the players against the former coach? So um, I, I think it's going to come down to how we finish uh, in in the last uh, third. And uh, I think that it's going to be a 2-2 draw. Um, Kyle will get one. Uh, Kyle will get one. Molina will get one, and Amiras will get one. Okay, so all the all the big uh, big shooters are going to score all the offense. So you, just to be sure that I know what you mean, your key matchup is is Rivas and Laren and, and, against you know and and making just, just sure that producing. they yeah just finishing producing. in the final third, finishing just, in the final third. Just, so just producing. So beating their even... beating their defense and goalkeeper. Correct. Essentially. All right. Well, my my key matchup. That's that's pretty solid. That's pretty solid. You know, logic there. Uh, I'm gonna say that my key matchup is the uh, Orlando City defensive players, like the, not the back four alone, but the back four plus maybe No Chirino and maybe Johnson or Higita. Okay. Against Kevin Molino, I think that that team goes as Kevin goes, and if they can keep Kevin under wraps and frustrate him and foul him a little early and maybe rough him up a little bit, get him off his game. Uh, I think maybe that they can go up there and get a good result uh, on the frozen tundra, uh, 60 degree frozen tundra (laughs) of Minnesota. Um, You know, I think one advantage that the team has is, you know, the lions have played on bad AstroTurf in the past. So uh, while every turf is different, you know, they'll go up and they'll play on a bad artificial surface, and most of them have already done that before. This may actually be a, a, a situation where Nocherino doesn't play. Um, with a game in the midweek uh, coming up next week against D.C., mm-hmm. uh, I think there's an opportunity there to, to rest a guy and not play him on artificial turf, uh, and he's had a calf injury. So I think maybe it's a case of potentially not playing Notorino, potentially leaving Specter to start on the bench and bringing him in. Although I know Christ doesn't like to do that. Um, maybe he'll try to get away with it and play the two youngsters like he did at Houston, which wouldn't be good or no, no, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, um, no, I don't know. Cause yeah, he, he, that was Redding and, uh, Reading and Aha at the time. This would be right. That's this would, this would be Pereira and Aha. That's uh, way different. I don't know. I, I don't know. I I don't know what he'll do. I guess the interesting thing we'll be watching to see what the lineup looks like because again, it is artificial turf and some guys have some knocks and one of the you know Specters logged a lot of minutes. He's got an ankle thing that's been bothering him. Uh, Nocherino's got a, a calf thing. Uh, he could also bring Kakan Rivas off the bench again. 
uh, as he did at San Jose. So it'll be Which interesting to see nice. what happens. Yeah, but I, I really think that the situation is the the central defense and, and central midfielders against Kevin Molino and keeping him out of dangerous areas, and more importantly, keeping his passes out of dangerous areas. Okay. I think that, and for me, that's so your actual score prediction. My is? score prediction is, you know, I I thought Nate had a pretty good score prediction of three two for Orlando City until I considered the fact that Orlando City hasn't scored three goals this year, at least yeah. not three that counted. Uh, they did score three against Sporting Kansas City, only to see one uh, waved off. Um, I don't think I can predict them to have three goals until they actually show me they can score three goals in a game. So I'm going to also say two-two draw because I I think that. I think that Minnesota is going to be fired up. I think they're going to have uh, scoring opportunities. And uh, again, Kevin Molino going up against him terrifies me uh, because he will be motivated fully and right. 100% for this game. So uh, that's my prediction 2-2. And I really, really hope that maybe Orlando can find that third goal this time. Dang it, man. I was hoping you were going to disagree with me this time going the <laughs> other way. I was I was thinking that this time I was like, OK, I'm going to be conservative 2-2. I was hoping that you were going to be like, ah, oh, 3-2. No, I'll go 2-1. I was I was really hoping. <laughs> well, oh, well. You know, if, if, if Laren Slump continues, we're not even going to get to two. So yeah, that's uh, a good point. I, I think that he really needs to have a good game and, and get back on the score sheet. I mean, he's, he's the kind of player that if he if he goes out and just pops a couple in the net in one game, he could end up with like five over a three game span. Right. So uh, he really needs to get that streak going. Um, it would be nice if some guys would help him out a little bit. Obviously, Rivas is a guy who should score more goals. Uh, Kaká could maybe lend a hand like you predicted him to have a goal. And also, you know, somebody like Giles Barnes or, or MPG or somebody unexpected has got to step up and score a goal. Could even be Will Johnson again. Uh, At some point. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, you, you brought it up, uh, um, the how he brought in um, Rivas and, and Kaká uh, in, in that game. And I, I that worked out very nicely versus, and I did mention earlier, bringing in uh, MPG and, and Barnes. Um, I don't think bringing those two in, at least right now, is the necessary scoring spark that you need. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it hasn't worked out so far, obviously. But, it you know, it's it's been I one mean, of those... A fresh, a fresh legs Rivas is a... I mean, fresh legs Rivas is a is a game changer. Yeah, I I, I think that they're those two in particular are very good off the bench, but you definitely don't want Rivas to think he's a bench player. He has to think he's no, a starter. No, no, definitely not. Think he's a starter, making some spot, you know, bench appearances, right. uh, because it just seems to his confidence is sky high, and he is dangerous coming on in the. He comes on in the 60th or 70th minute when every when the defense and, and midfield are already, you know, have have that many minutes on their legs and it's just not even fair. No, at that point he is, he is quite literally Barry Allen, the flash and just blowing by people. So yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So I guess that'll do it, Dave. I think we've gotten everything in. We've talked about a lot of stuff. Obviously these double, double game weeks are, are, um, you know, they, they create more work for everybody, but they also usually create more fun. It'd be nice to get a few more wins, but hopefully, hopefully we'll see the light at the end of that tunnel and, and get closer in it. And it will be the exit and not the train that we see uh, making the light. Um, anyway. <laughs> well, at that, and we also want all our listeners to know that uh, once we get out of this double game week stuff, you won't have to listen to us as, as much. It'll, it'll be, you know, these will be shorter. You know, we, we try, but it, it'll be better. But you'll still have to listen. That's well, no, yeah, yeah I didn't say you did, I said as part much. Of your court mandated, as much. It's part of your court mandated community service. And you can, you're not going to duck that. Um, you, there's just no getting around it. judge. will hear of it. 
So uh, anyway, Dave, uh, <laughs> people can find us at themainland.com. We write a bunch of stories. I mean, I don't think we, I don't think anybody maybe on SB Nation in the entirety of the MLS blogs uh, produces more content than us. I mean, maybe some produce as much, you know. But I, I'd say we're definitely in the top three for content production. We we write a lot of stories. We've got three teams to cover. Uh, there's something for everybody. And uh, there's a voice for you. You might hate mine, but like Dave's. You might hate Dave's, but like, you know, Austin's. Uh, you might hate Austin's and like Gavin's. I mean, who knows? But there's... Whoa, the... whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what? Like Gavin's? Yeah, well, somebody must. It takes all kinds, man. I guess he has family. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, he does. He does have family. <laughs> so, anyway. You, Gavin. There, there's plenty to like. TheMainland.com. Read our stuff. Uh, please... Uh, you know, follow us on Twitter at the mainland, like our Facebook page. And uh, please, if you, uh, you know, go, go to iTunes and give us a very honest star rating and, and leave, uh, leave a review of, of what you think of the show. And, and that will help other people determine whether or not they would like to listen to our show. So uh, that's what we would ask of you. That's all. It's a very, very low cost of zero dollars and zero cents. Uh, and uh, we would really appreciate that. But that is all the time we have, and then some for uh, this episode. Uh, what I say, number eighty-seven. Seven. Eighty-seven of the Mainland Podcast. So, uh, on behalf of David Rowe, I am Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of the Mainland.com, signing off as I always do by saying, "Go City."